And welcome back to Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, highlighting the shit we've stepped in so you don't have to. I'm Son Edom, alongside the person whose Instagram has grown by leaps and bounds since the last time we did a podcast. <laughs> Tara Hoke Shiro. Hey, guys. Tara Hoke Shiro on Instagram. How are you? Hey, so did you get any increases? From our last podcast on social media, two did, did people flock to your bikini pic? Yes, two two people. Mm, I yes. bet I know who. Yes. <laughs> Actually, did as you we, tell them to go? Yes. Did you pay them? Yes. Yes. Yes, I bribed them. Yes, I bribed them to go and like your stuff. Yes. No, but as we uh, get going here, we're going to talk about a topic today that uh, I think affects everybody in some fashion, in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be controversial. It can be sad. It can be. Um, can run the range of the entire emotional spectrum, I think, because it's something that comes up out of the blue, unexpected perhaps, and that is the unplanned pregnancy. Mm -hmm. It's a topic that is completely politicized. It's a topic where there seems to only be black or white, no gray area. And what I mean by that is an unplanned pregnancy comes along, and it's either one side says, no matter what, you keep the pregnancy, The other side says, no, you don't want it, terminate the pregnancy. But I think it goes a lot deeper than that, me personally. I think it goes a lot deeper than that because there's a lot more that one needs to consider when it comes to the unplanned pregnancy. Obviously, uh, religious ideology and beliefs are in there as well. Um, And then there's just people that really don't know what to do. And then they go and start talking to other people. And then those... And we've talked about influencers before on the podcast in the past. And then they take what they are told as far as advice, and then they, they act on, on that behalf or on, on that information. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is the unplanned pregnancy. What answers are there, if any? What solutions? Are there things that we can do? Um, and so I'll just let you start with uh, the conversation off with this uh, topic um, and your thoughts on where to go. You know, before I say my thoughts, I want to remind everybody that we do not rehearse um, our conversations. We talk earlier in the week. We'll say to each other, hey, what do you want to talk about? We bring up a topic and then we purposely we're like on the phone having this conversation and then we purposely um, stop talking about it so that when we come to the podcast, it's fresh. It's um, it's raw. It's it's real. It's real. Um, There's things that, you know. That we're, that surprises each of us because neither one of us knows what the other one is going to say. So I just want to remind everybody that uh, this is the first time that we are actually having this conversation. So I don't know clearly your thoughts and you don't clearly know my thoughts. We're going to both be surprised. It's right. going to be spontaneous. Yep. We have no idea what each other thinks about this topic. So I think it's going to be um, fun. So I'll start off saying that um, and, and the t- the tagline of our podcast is highlighting the shit that we've been through so that you don't have to. And so to keep it under that umbrella, um, I will say that for me, um, abortion has always been very confusing. And I've not not known how to speak about it. I've wanted to talk about it. I don't know what arena to talk about it in. So I basically don't say anything. And so I grew up in a church um, in the Midwest, and um, I've talked about that before in earlier podcasts. But it was pretty much like you said, you know, abortion is wrong. 
um, you're killing the child and we should, it's just wrong. You just don't do it, you know, under any, for any reason, it's just wrong. And that's pretty much where the conversation left off. There was no talk about um, the unplanned um, pregnancy. There was no talk about the relationship heading into that unplanned pregnancy. There was no talk about what to do if you do have an unplanned pregnancy. Um, there were many churches and even today that will shun people that are pregnant and and not help them. And they'll look down on them and shame and judge. And so I have had uh, several friends, actually, that have um, had abortions um, and unplanned pregnancies that that resulted in a in a live birth both so i i've been with friends on both sides of the spectrum and um it's just very confusing to know how to navigate in the society that is so everyone's yelling at each other um and for me i i get very uncomfortable um with both sides of those those both sides of those black and white saying that you know because i i have mentioned many times that i'm um, believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Um, I'm a follower. I believe in the Bible. And so I'm on the side of um, pro-life, but I'm not on the side of hurting people in the process. I don't like that. And it makes me not want to follow the church because I think the church has done a horrible job of loving people in situations um, that we all get ourselves caught up in, whether it's you know, any type of sin, if you want to do it, say it that way. Um, for some reason, the church thinks that there are certain things that are acceptable and certain things that are not acceptable. And we have this tendency to like shame and judge and put down and excommunicate and kick people out of schools and not let them walk in graduations and all kinds of horrible things. And we don't come around the girl and offer support. We don't offer to adopt the baby. We don't offer to um, pay the help the mother with finances to help her with her job or with school. We don't offer to babysit. We don't offer. We just we just say don't do it. And if you do it, you're bad. And then end of story. There's no relation. I can't stand that. I hate that. So my kind of experience with this is that I um, have just had a very difficult time wondering how I get into that conversation, believing that. Um, the life is important because I don't think it's the woman's body. First of all, I think that's um, terrible rhetoric that we've gotten ourselves into. Um, the woman's body is is her own DNA. So if she wants to donate a kidney, that is her DNA. She can do that. The baby is a completely different set of DNA being supported by the woman's body, growing inside of the woman's body, but eventually comes out and is separated from the woman's body. Therefore, it is not the woman's body. It's a completely different set of DNA. So I don't agree um, with terminating that pregnancy, but there's a whole lot more to it than that. It's hard. I don't like when the church says, don't do it, but then they don't come around the person and offer help. They um shame and judge and tell them to leave the church or give them all kinds of consequences. And they don't say, let us come around you, support you, help you with money, help you with adoption, help you with babysitting if you want to keep the lake. None of that. And, and that, uh, to me, I think is a greater sin than than just the act of taking the life. So I think the one person or people that get lost in the whole idea of an unplanned pregnancy is the mom and the dad. Yeah, yeah. Because initially, like you mentioned, from the church perspective, 
right away there's fault. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong. Mm-hmm. There's something that you did that you shouldn't have done. Now you're an outcast. You don't right. belong here. Well, that's the very place you belong. Right. Because I believe it says in the Bible, God came for the worst of sinners. Mm-hmm not the best of man. Right. And then it also, you know, the church is where you should be when you have, uh, you know, things such as an unplanned pregnancy. So you get that pressure from that religious side that says you are bad. Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side, let's say the, you know, the pro-choice people, you know, especially in today's climate, there's a push to automatically go to the termination. Right. And yet no one ever sits down, at least from what I've experienced and, and heard and seen, it's going to be okay with the parents, you know, mm-hmm. the mom or dad. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. This isn't the end of everything. You can still graduate from high school. You can mm-hmm. still go and walk graduation. Life is going to change, but it's okay. Let's talk about it. What are you feeling? What are you going through? Because I think it's this, and, and we've known people, uh, I've known people that have unplanned pregnancies, and immediately, as soon as they find out, it's a an emotion of fear, mm-hmm. an emotion of, oh, what have I done? It's, it's like a negative mm-hmm. emotion, mm-hmm. and it should be a celebratory. Life should be celebratory. Right. Okay, so it was unplanned. I get it. It changes things. I get it. But why do we all of a sudden go to two extremes, mm-hmm. and yet we forget the very people, mm-hmm. okay? And, and we focus on, on, the, on the infant, too, the baby. Um, you know, as oh, is it like you just mentioned, it's a different person, it's a different DNA. But then we forget about the very people that are most involved is the mom and the dad. Mm-hmm. And they get left out. Mm-hmm. And it's like they get tugged and pushed and pulled by an agenda instead of just sitting down and being like, okay, what are you experiencing? What are you feeling right now? Let's right. talk about it. Right. And let's not make a decision. Right. Let's not jump to a decision right now. Let's embrace them. Mm-hmm. Because like anything you do, if it's unplanned, especially if it's a situation where, because again, when you're talking about unplanned pregnancies, I know uh, people my age that have had a pregnancy and it's unplanned. They're like, oh, I was thought I was done having kids, but oops, there's another kid. Right. Okay. That's a little different story. It's still the same, but their parents... Okay, um, and so oops had a had an oops kid, and mm-hmm. now this is great. You know, I'm 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 older, but I have a younger kid, and that's a little different than kind of I think what we want to go with today's topic. Um, it's usually somebody that you're you know you're not expecting or planning. Maybe you're younger. Maybe it's a teen. Maybe it's an out of wedlock. Maybe it's a relationship, an extramarital relationship. Whatever the case may be, it's unplanned, and then all of a sudden there's a negativity attached to it right away. Right. Okay. <clears throat> And I can see that. Uh, I get that. That That's fine. It's, it's looked down upon. But why is it that we all of a sudden jump to these two extremes and not really talk to and embrace and help? Because like any process, whether you have a grieving process, whether you have a recovery process, you know, recovery is 12 steps. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the grieving process, there's multiple steps. Um, and, and time. There is no time. But all of a sudden when it comes to this, we have to make a decision now, and it has to be this extreme or that extreme, and we can't embrace the very people that are involved and find out what they want. Mm-hmm. I think I think visual sin – well, first of all, society talks out of both sides of our mouth because society will tell us, go do what you want. Whatever's good for you is good for you. Enjoy life to the fullest. And then when you do that and you, and you are pregnant – Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, shame on you. Oh, look what you did. Like, it, like we talk out of both sides of our mouths. And so the people that um, it's not just the church that does that. It's also non, you know, church people will also look, you know, down on because you didn't, you know, you didn't do it right. So, you know, we talk out of both sides of our mouth. But I think that that 
I'll just because I'm a Christian, I'll just say, you know, the church has a tendency to be very uncomfortable with visible sin. So I know you mentioned a couple um, podcasts ago. I don't remember what we were talking about, but you were saying that um, people want to have a drink, have a beer, but it's not acceptable, you know, maybe in their church circle or maybe with their church group. So they hide it. So now there being two people. They're, they're pretending like they don't drink because they don't do it in public. They don't have pictures or anything, but then at home in the privacy. And so it's kind of like this. We can't we can't talk about it openly because it's like, oh, you know, you drink, you know, whatever. There's all this fear with visible with visible sin. It's the same thing, you know, with homosexuality or, you know, preg- an unplanned pregnancy or, you know, stealing. As soon as things, something becomes visible, now we're like super uncomfortable with it. And I just find that comical, honestly, because all of us are in the same boat. You know, the Bible says that we're all fall short and all of us are sinners. Nobody's perfect. So every single person on the planet is a sin. And the, and the Bible doesn't say that there's a sin that's greater than another. It does not say that. Not, nowhere in the Bible does it say that there's any sin that's worse than another. It just doesn't say that. So why do we as a church shame people? Why do we do that? Why do we treat people um, with visible sin and we look down, immediately look down on them like, oop, you're out of the lines. You did something wrong. You're not getting your A. You're not doing it right. Shame on you. I just think that it's that's a horrible way to treat each other. It's exactly the opposite of what Jesus taught us when he was here. He did not teach us to treat each other the way that we treat each other. I don't care who what group what you believe in what practice like he did not say to hate each other and to judge each other and to point the fingers and to publicly shame people he wouldn't have kicked people out of schools or not let them graduate or whatever he he taught us to love each other speak the truth but love each other and support each other and so i don't uh it's just very frustrating to me that um, the church is supposed to be such an example of love because that's what God is. And we just get it horribly wrong on a continual basis. And no wonder people think that we're hateful. No wonder um, people's like, oh, you're Christian. Like, it's a bad word. I get it. Because a lot of times we are. See, it also reminded me of the story about, you know, embracing people that have done things that you think are wrong. You know, wasn't there a story in the Bible where they brought this lady who was found to be in adultery and Jesus basically says, if you have if you don't have sin, throw the stone. Whoever he, he has, has not sinned, sin, you know, yeah, cast, cast the first, first stone. And yeah. everybody walked away. And then right. she's left with him and he's like, why are you still here? Um, now, granted, you know, Jesus is Jesus. And so it's a different you know person that we're dealing with, a different entity. But again, it goes back to that. Why is it all of a sudden we get judgmental when somebody well, when something he says, happens? He says to her, "Where woman, where are your accusers? Mm-hmm. And so she looks up and everybody is gone. And he says to her, neither do I accuse you. Right. And so he embraces. Right. And, and, and how many times do the Pharisees sit down and say, why does he sit and have dinner with these people? Right. Whatever. He was always with the with the, the, the sinner, the people that were doing the bad. He people never hung out with them. People that are on the fringes, the people that the outcasts. And to be fair, if you don't know what we're talking about, the Pharisees sin too. <laughs> of course. Well, absolutely. And that's and that's what you're reminding me of when you're talking about the church being condemnation is they're very pharisaical. You know, they're the Pharisees of it. Right. But but I, but I but again, it goes back to there is no, no uh, you know, black right. I've seen people and I've talked with people i've known people that have gone through unplanned pregnancies and they've had a termination of it and the aftermath 
is a life changing experience, not mm-hmm. just from the actual procedure, mm-hmm. but you know, you think, okay, 10, 15 years down the road, they're like, you know what? My child would have been X amount of years today or right. around this time. Or, um, you know, thinking about, oh, you know, my parents could have been another grandparent to another child, or there would have been more siblings mm-hmm. in the family, or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case may be. It was kind of like when we talked about grief, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that one time when my friend Chris died, and then we kind of backed away from visiting the parents. It was like the parents not only lost their son, but they lost those other kids, right. those social kids that they had. Right. And, and it changes somebody. And so for us to sit there and make a rash decision based on policy, based on politics, even based on religion, um, and not first look at the people involved mm-hmm. and, let, and, and, and take care of them, minister to them, if you want to use that word, take care of them, embrace them, then I think that's where it becomes problematic because in the moment a 16-year-old having a child mm-hmm. seems bad. Okay, you're 16, maybe sophomore, junior in high school, and this is going to disrupt things. You're in college, this is going to disrupt things. You're a career woman on the mm-hmm. path to break the glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. This is going to create problems. So mm-hmm. in that moment, yes. But again, five, 10 years down the road, what's that decision now going to be like then? Everything's going to be okay, probably. And that's the part on the other side, on the secular side, the the Planned Parenthood side, the the um, pro-choice side, that um, really makes me equally angry. Because I think neither side is willing to sit down and have an honest conversation. No, I just, not. I just don't not. think that they're not. No. And that's the part that is to me is the bigger sin and is the bigger problem in this whole thing is that they're not honestly they're not willing to honestly um, do a study and say okay um, you know we're, we're aborting uh, uh, these you know we're allowing abortion to continue and they're acting like it's not a big deal like it's a woman's choice it's a woman's body and everybody's you know waving the banner but they're not willing to say okay if this is a problem there are some people that are saying that this is a problem on the psyche, on the problem on the health. Let's let's do that. Let's study that. And that's because if they say that they're helping women, then they should help women. They should help the women who have gone through the procedure and who are struggling with depression or with um, health problems or whatever it is. And, and people will say, oh, that's not true. OK, well, then let's find out. Let's be brave enough to find out and let's have a conversation Um, How many women have had a procedure and are now struggling in one way or the other and they just can't get rid of the grief or the guilt or the shame or the health, um, you know, problems because of it or whatever? Let's hear from let's give them a voice because we're not giving them a voice. We're saying, oh, should be quiet, quiet, quiet. Go away. Don't say anything because we we just want to make it seem like, you know, this procedure is okay. Well, how do we know? There's so many facilities that are um, not up to standards, right? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the the effects that our women are having 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Let's just be honest and have the conversation. And on the church side, let's be honest and have the conversation. Like, look, you're saying how that taking a life is not okay, but you're also not stepping in to fill the gap. You're also not stepping in with finances or willing to adopt or um, willing to come alongside this woman and, and, you know, support her with babysitting services for the next 12 years. We, both sides are just stupid. Can I say that? It's just stupid. I, I can't. And it, and then, so for me, 
I'm sitting here looking at this like, uh, okay, so what do I say? Like I have, you know, these opinions, but if I say this, this group's going to yell at me. If I say this, that group's going to yell at me. Not that I need to fit into a group, but I'm saying that like there's no room at the table for honest conversation. It's like you're either for or against, so shut up if you have anything else to say. Yeah. See, I think that's and that's where the problem lies uh, lies within is there's no conversation because okay, I think it is scientifically proven that women suffer from postpartum depression. Yes, they have a birth, they give birth to a child, and they get into a depression. Mm-hmm. I okay. experienced that a okay. little bit. So mm-hmm. that is scientifically proven. It's a it's a medical condition, mm-hmm. maybe a mental condition. I don't know. But it's a condition that is recognized mm-hmm. by medical uh, authorities, mm-hmm. uh, professionals, that it is something that is true. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so now we terminate a pregnancy. Well, how can we dismiss the emotions, the feelings <laughs> of someone that went through that? Exactly. When a live birth, postpartum depression is legit. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, these emotions and these things that they're going through are not okay. Right. And they say they're for women. But then they're dismissing half the women. They're not paying attention mm-hmm. to those women. They're dismissing their feelings, their legitimate health concerns, their legitimate problems. And I'm I'm guessing it's because of money, right? That makes a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, with All these right. procedures. And so that's not really for women if we're not looking at the complete picture of women, of the complete picture of what women go through. There's a lot of um, single women that would not be able to support a child and we have to look at that we have to come alongside them maybe they don't want to have an abortion but they feel like they just don't have any other choice and and where's the church nowhere you can't come in so and i shouldn't say there are some let me not all churches are are bad there are some churches that are helping and that are getting it right i don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. i'm just speaking to the ones that society points their finger at so there are places that are that are helping. I know Focus on the Family has done a huge. They're very involved in the foster system and the adult uh, the adoption um, system in Colorado. There's local churches here in Santa Clarita um, that support um, women. But in the national uh, media, the national conversation, they like to disparage the church. And there are a lot that that. Um, do you know Christian schools, colleges that will kick girls out that will say that they have to have an abortion because it doesn't look good, you know, um, it doesn't look good to have their people doing life, right? Right, exactly. So we don't want you here if you're doing, you know, if you have real feelings, right. you know, if you're loving someone or God forbid you're raped or, you know, I, I just, I wish that there would be someone that would just be brave enough to have an honest conversation and just say, look, these are the realities. It's a reality on this side. When when the babies are being created, there's a reality on this side when there's a pregnancy and there's a reality over here, you know, when we're having all these, you know, abortions and the and the effects coming after that. I, they just it's so politicized that there's no room for a real honest conversation and we're never going to get anywhere if we don't if we're not comfortable having an honest conversation and and looking at ourselves and being willing to help in that way. So you mentioned rape. Now I can't imagine, I'm not going to pretend to imagine what the trauma would be of trying to um, be a survivor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and so I don't know, but I would imagine it's very traumatic. Mm-hmm. Probably takes a long time to get over. Mm-hmm. 
it probably requires perhaps talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, it probably requires, or there might be, uh, I don't want to say side effects, ramifications where you might not trust men. Mm-hmm. You might be in a situation where you don't want to be in the room with another man. Mm-hmm. All these things, okay, to overcome. And even then, you might not ever overcome a rape situation. Mm-hmm. Now imagine having a child grow inside of you for 10 months. Right. While as a product of, of something like that. Okay, so how can somebody on the outside without coming alongside this person, this mm-hmm. gal, and embrace them and have, make them make a decision? Because first off, if you are raped, there's no, let's say there's no uh, uh, conception. Mm-hmm. It's still going to take every ounce of strength mm-hmm. for that woman to overcome that and try to survive that uh, you know, violation mm-hmm. against her. Mm-hmm. Now imagine having a daily reminder mm-hmm of somebody growing inside of you, plus the expense, plus the ridicule, plus the this, the that, that goes along with it. So for someone to come along and just arbitrarily say, you should X or mm-hmm. Y, mm-hmm. to me is completely outrageous because there's so many more things involved with that person. First off, trying to overcome what happened mm-hmm. and trying to survive that. Now, the consequence of, not her consequence, but the result is now you have a, a pregnancy that you have to now, dis, you know, what are we going to do? And everything that goes along with it. So, again, I think it does go back to the fact that, A, we need to start looking at the person mm-hmm. and the people, the mom, the dad, and uh, or the mother, uh, even the baby, and realize, okay, what is – let's just first off take the moment to just digest what happened. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. You guys had fun. It was a Friday night. You guys had a great time. Uh-oh. Now we've got a little one along the way. Mm-hmm. We weren't planning it. Now we need to digest this and we need to let it sink in and we need to just kind of take a minute and pause and realize what are we feeling? What are we going through? What's our emotional state? Mm-hmm. Because right away they're going to worry about what everybody else says. And, that's the, and, and I think that's the biggest thing that people are concerned with. Like I said, financial. Like if it's just a, let's say it's a, just a, yeah. you know, two people on a Friday night, drink a little too much or have a little fun and oops, there's a baby. So, okay, there could be financial reasons. There could be, you know, career reasons and stuff. But like you said, the first thing I think people think of is what are other people going to think? Right. That's the narrative that we need to right. get over. Right. And and I think, you know, we just talked on a, on a previous podcast about social media. I mean, that what people think of us is so hardwired in our brain for everything that we do. What are people going to think? What are people going to think? And so this is more egregious when it's a I should say the stakes are much higher. Right. Because if we have an unplanned pregnancy, now there's visible um there's there's visible evidence of the activities that we did, right? It's not like when we go to Vegas, you know, what happens there stays there. Right. No, what happened in Vegas was born, you know, nine months later, right? right? right. <laughs> it didn't stay in Vegas. Right. It's out. So, and everyone can see. So, um, so that's the part that, that it's not only that inner turmoil, um, that inner shame of whatever it was that, that happened. Now we're inviting other people's judgment onto us and if we are already not secure in ourselves if we're already a little bit of a people pleaser which who isn't um then it's going to be that much more difficult to stand strong especially if we don't have a support system around us to stand up and and be able to take the barrage of of negative comments that are going to come you know your way and like you said you know a lot of times women will talk about their rapist you know as a monster and so now the monster's dna 
is growing inside of them. I cannot imagine the mental gymnastics that that must um, take. Now, I do know that there are women who um, their convictions were really strong um, for pro-life and they were raped. I've heard them speak on the radio multiple times. I think there's some YouTube videos where they were raped and they had the child and the child is so grateful to be here and they have this wonderful um the mother and and child have this wonderful, you know, relationship. So I know that there are success stories. I know that there are women who have overcome that. But my goodness, like really we're I I just I just think the greater sin is that when we when we shame it's hard enough to admit that we were raped, right? Mm-hmm. Um I've never been raped, but I've come within like a half a centimeter of it. Um and so I can't imagine how that would have gone if if it would have happened, but um, I cannot first, you know, I can't imagine the first, the shame of being raped, right? Like you said, there's an invasion into your body and um, you're having to deal with all of this and then to have evidence of that growing inside of you and then giving birth. Um, Now we could adopt, you know, you could have that, but still no matter what, it doesn't matter if you terminate the pregnancy, if you carry it and then adopt, you know, so someone else can, you know, give it a life. It doesn't matter. The psychological ramifications are huge. And we just don't. It's like we kick these women out, you know, to the street. And, and it's like, oh, geez, look what happened to you. As opposed to, oh, my gosh, let me help you. Mm-hmm. Let me hug you. Let me come around you. Let me sit with you through this. Let me go to the doctor appointments with you. Let me. um I, I just I don't know. It's just crazy, right? That we we just can't handle people's visible mistakes. We cannot handle it, and and so we. Ugh. It's it's interesting because I've got a good friend of mine who's uh, he's an eye surgeon, and he's up in Portland, and he's gone through uh, an MD program, a PhD program, and then he did his rounds and things like that. And he's uh, a Christian guy too, but it's interesting because in his medical perspective. You have to sometimes, and this is going to sound weird, it's not meant to be, you sometimes have to take the condemnation of your beliefs, Mm -hmm. whatever they are. You don't even have to be religious to have beliefs. You have to take the condemnations out when you're looking at people because you need to treat them, okay? So, for example, let's say that you've got, um, you know, like an alcoholic, Okay. Well, his liver is deteriorating from all of the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Well, you could be, you know, judgmental and condemn him. But dude, you shouldn't drink. You know, my grandfather, he eventually passed away from liver cancer. And he, uh, when the doctors diagnosed him, he sat, the doctors asked, hey, um, did you um, drink alcohol? Mm-hmm. And he bragged because he was in the Navy at the time. He bragged, yeah, six pack a day since I was 19. And that was <laughs> like a 50 years of a so-called six pack. Yeah. Okay. Condemnation could be, dude, don't drink. However, you set that aside and you come alongside him and you start to treat mm-hmm. and you start to try to then make it comfortable or whatever you can do. And so that's what I kind of learned throughout uh, the years of talking with my friend is that, you know, there's times where you have to set those beliefs and those condemnations and those convictions aside. You don't have to sell out, but you set them aside because the more important issue is the person. Mm, okay, the so person I'm going to. person that's right there in front of you. Yeah, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that. Um, we don't have to set our convictions aside. We have to set the condemnation aside. Okay, maybe we do and that. And we have to have the conviction with grace and truth and love. I think that's the part that's mm-hmm. missing. Because I'm um, pro-life, mm-hmm. right? So for me to 
come alongside someone who has an unplanned pregnancy. I don't have to set that conviction aside, no. but I can love the person right. and I can be graceful with them and not not judgmental. And I can speak the truth like you're taking a life, but I don't have to um, say it in a way that is shaming or condemning. I can still love that person. I can still say, what can I do to help you? Let me walk through this with you. Let me um, support you. Let me facilitate whatever, you know, I don't have to set my convictions because I think that's what people think. I think that's part of the black and white thinking or the either or thinking is like we have to set aside our convictions in order to love someone. No, we don't. We don't have to like there. there's four or five girls that I'm thinking of in our high school that um, terminated their pregnancies during high school. Six, I think, now that I'm thinking about it. And um, I don't I, I, I'm not looking down on them. I still have my conviction, but I'm not. But you're not imposing your convictions no. on those people is what I'm trying to get at. No. It's because would no. you step in and be like, okay, what if they can't? Okay, let me put you on the spot if you don't mind. Sure. So one of them came to you and said, hey, can I have a ride to the doctor's office because I'm going to have a termination of my pregnancy? Would you give them a ride? Um, I would... <sighs> I would love them and I would give them a ride, but I would, um, uh, I would pray for them. I would, um, ask them questions to, um, see like what it is to, to make sure that what they're doing is really what they think that they should do. Um, I would not, no, I wouldn't refuse the ride. I would, I would give them a ride and I would use that time to sit with them and have a conversation and to love them and to pray for them. Um, but I also would not um, – I wouldn't give them the third degree, but I would be that voice of like, okay, let's talk about this out loud. This is what I hear you saying. This is what I hear in your heart. I hear that you're confused. I hear that you're – that you won't have support. I hear um, that you're scared. I hear that um, whatever. And so if I could repeat back their pain to them and and let them hear it out loud um, – then I would have that type of a conversation with them. But yeah, I don't. Because I know people that wouldn't give them a ride. I know. And, and that's what I'm talking about. When you, when you set aside conviction, I'm not meaning you have to sacrifice what you believe, but people's convictions would be, I don't believe in this, so therefore I am not going to give you a ride. Therefore, I'm not going to help you. That's what I think the church has it, has it wrong. I can still love someone. And me, me giving a ride to someone um, on the way to an abortion clinic does not mean that I'm condoning the procedure. Right. Exactly. Um, it means that I am loving them enough to be there with them in their pain. We all have to um, stand, you know, before God. And so if someone, if I'm taking someone to a procedure that I don't agree with, I'm not going to be accountable um, for that, for the termination of that pregnancy. That's, that's their, um, we all have to be responsible for our own decisions. And so. Um, because ultimately it comes down to the decision of the mom or the dad, or maybe the mom. I know right. people let's say it's a mom, right. but it it's comes down decision. to that. So right. if they've decided that's what they would like to do. Right. You know, you can be the uh, dogmatic. I'm not going to help you. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? They go someplace else. Right. Um, and someone else is just going to give them a ride. Right. So why not be the person that gives them the ride? Because then what happens? Um, and and I, I, I hate the movie 
uh, the way they portray it, but Fast Times at Ridgemont High. They're so dismissive of, of an abortion scene yeah. in there, like yeah. it was no big deal. Mm-hmm. And 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 I, I know it's the type of movie and so forth. Well, Grease is the same yeah, same thing. problem yeah. in a different... different you know, uh, <laughs> she has, to, she yeah. has to be like all yeah. you know, but, gorgeous in order but it's to the be thing, loved. But it's, but it's, the, but it's the, after, uh, the after effect. So you give you know her a ride. Mm-hmm. Now you're there for the after. Right. And then what are they going to do? So they take an Uber... And now they get now dropped off by alone. Uber. Yeah. Now they're alone. Yeah. And then what happens? Yeah. And see, and so, and and that's kind of been my perspective through life is just that you know, not since that conviction, but change because perspective, perspective or perspective changes when you start to really put it into a situation where you look at the people, mm-hmm. at the person, right? Um, and what are they going through? What are right. they feeling? What are they experiencing? Um, are you going to be there for them? Mm-hmm. And you know, there's probably been times where I failed. When I could have been, you know, not maybe not specifically in this case, but just when you talk about people in general, um, maybe there's times where I failed to be there for the person. Oh, I failed a million know? and one times. Yeah. I have said so many stupid things. I have been so judgmental, so condemning, so shaming. Like I have not, I've completely dismissed the person so many times. It's awful. I was one of those, and st- you know. I, yeah, it's yeah, I think, I think we I think we all have, regardless of our it's convictions terrible. and what we believe and whatever. We've all been that way. But that's what I think for me personally, I've grown uh, over over the years is in that area of being more aware or trying to be aware of what the person is going through. And, right. and, and no matter what it is, it mm-hmm. could be a student struggling with grades. It could be a student struggling with absence. It could be a student that's just always late all the time. It could be just a friend that is disconnected now. It could be any number of things. But put yourself in the shoes of the person that's walking that walk. Yeah. And what are they going through? Right. And we set aside. So that's where it goes back to setting aside, you know, kind of because it's not our decision to make. Mm-hmm. We can advise, counsel, talk. Mm-hmm. But when we start getting dogmatic and even maybe violent or maybe even forceful, mm-hmm. now all we're doing is just harming them again. Right. You know, all we're doing is making it more difficult for right. them. We're digging our heels them. in. Right. And here's the thing that's, that's stupid. It's just stupider than stupid is that we say that that God is love and that the Bible is is love right we say that and we say that um, we want people to accept you know Christ because he's um, loving and our lives are going to be better we get to spend eternity with him how in the world do those two things go together how can you how can you say that that God is loving and that Jesus loves you and then turn around and say, Oh, shame on you. Now you need to get your act together and then I'll talk to you. Uh, then I'll love you the way Jesus taught me to love you. What, what, and what planet is that even, does that even make sense? You can't like the whole point of Jesus coming and saying, I love you. Right. I told you like we've gone into strip clubs and we like Jesus loves strippers. Jesus loves bartenders. Jesus loves porn stars. Does he love stripping and, and porn movies? No, he hates it. But does he love the person and does he want them in relationship? Yes. Everybody. I don't care if you're what ethnicity you are, what gender you are, what, you know, homosexual. I don't it doesn't. Jesus loves everybody. And how can we say you cannot come to church or you cannot come to the school or you cannot be over here? Like, stop doing that. Stop doing the sin that I can see because it makes me really uncomfortable and I know that you're doing something wrong. So stop doing that. Get yourself together. And then let me tell you about love. I just asinine. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And we've all done it and I've done it. And that's how we're taught. 
and and how is that going to bring people towards us? The only way that people are going to come towards us and that we can tell them about the love of Jesus is that if we love them in their misery, right? Just mm-hmm. like someone loved us in our misery and our pain and our I've made a mess of my life. There's so many bad decisions that I've made horrible. But Jesus loves me, right? And it's okay. And I, and I'm like, okay, I made mistakes. I you know, whatever, move on. But if we don't love people in the strip club, if we don't love people in the mess, then why? So then we, how how can they get themselves together enough, cleaned up enough, so that we, oh, okay, you're acceptable now. Now I can love you. Well, if there's nobody loving them, how are they going to make that transition? That that doesn't even make sense. Well, see, here's where I get excommunicated from the church. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> it. They always say, remember that saying, and I don't know if it's still around, but what would Jesus do? Yeah. Jesus would be standing outside the abortion clinic with arms wide open waiting for that girl to come running into his arms. Yes. Now, he'd also be there telling her not to do it, you know, advising not to do it, you know. But, but And when she walked out, he would still be yeah, standing there with there, his arms, arms wide, wide open, open I'm right here for and you. loving her yeah. when she walks out yep. that door after the yep. procedure. No, no judgment, no condemnation, just love. Yeah. And so, um, and I think that's what we need. To, that's what we need to do. We need to be those people because sometimes, you know, we might have a belief, we might have a conviction, we might have a way we would like to see things done, but it's not our decision to make. And the person is going to make the decision that they probably feel that's best for them, whether it's a good one, whether it's a bad one, but they got to make that choice. Mm -hmm. And when they make that choice, we have two choices ourselves. We can either condemn or we can embrace. We don't have to embrace in a way that's like, um, like you said, uh, throwing out your convictions. We could still have a a belief in, let's say we are Mm pro-life. So, okay, you terminated a pregnancy. I'm still pro-life, but you know what? I'm going to embrace you regardless. And here's the other that you just, what I heard when you just said our convictions, our convictions just can't be a a right or wrong. It can't just be, okay, I'm pro-life or pro-choice. Our conviction has to be to love people. Absolutely. That's the bigger yep, conviction. Yep. And how can it? And so my conviction is I'm going to love this person. It's not that, oh, I'm pro-choice. I can't, I can't love you. Or I'm pro-life. I can't love you. No, no, no. My conviction is what Jesus taught me to do is we are to love God and love people. And, and that's the conviction. And so when you say let go of our convictions, no, embrace them. Embrace the fact that Jesus said that we are to love all people and to be nice to all people and to not judge and condemn and shame. Like, he didn't do that. So why are we doing it? Well, it's the other thing, if I can just bring it to a little bit of a lighter topic. Okay, sports. We have people that we've got, you know, people. I know people that are married. They're from UCLA and one's from USC, you know, and they're like hated. <laughs> you know, uh, there's that TV show, which I know a TV show, but, you know, Michigan, Ohio State. You ah, know? So you've yes. got people that can get along the wrong color. because they don't like the same sports team. Right. And I know this is very superficial. But why can't we do that when it comes to things that are deeper? Why can't we like somebody and get along with somebody? I think of, um, not to get political, but James Carville, and I think it's Mary Matlin. Yes, they They're are. They're complete Democrat, opposites. Democrat, Republican. Like complete yes. opposites. Yeah. And they've been married forever. Yeah. And they get along great. Yeah. And they are, you put them on a TV show and they are complete opposite. They yep. like hate each other's they're politics. They're going at it. Yes. And yeah. But yet they're still together. Um, and so why can't we have that? Why can't we have- And there's also um, Justice Ginsburg, Mary- um, Oh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the guy that died. 
um, the other judge, he, they were polar opposites oh, yeah. on the court, and they were great friends. Right. They went out on not dates as in a romantic right. couple, but they had they went on to the opera together, to dinner together, mm-hmm. and they were complete opposite in their political on the court. And and I think that's what we need to get to when we're a society is that we got to start thinking of people as people, yes, and not as ideologies or right. uh, stats or recruits, victims, whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but people are people and mm-hmm. they're going to have to live their life and make decisions that we may or may not agree with, that we may or may not like, but that's their choice to make and they're going to make those choices based on the information they have and in this case, if we're talking about an unplanned pregnancy, they may want to terminate it and we might not like that or we may be for it, but yet are we going to stand by them when they go through it because it's not, despite what anybody says, it is not going to be a rosy picture. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be you know balloons and, and birthday cakes or yeah. whatever afterwards. And I wish that the pro-choice community, in addition to the church, I'm saying on both sides, um, but I wish the pro-choice community would come along their own women mm-hmm. and be supportive mm-hmm. of their own women who have gone through um, this procedure, who are struggling, who they're not giving a voice to and not giving them a microphone on a national platform to. I wish that they would love those women equally mm-hmm. instead of just saying, oh, yeah, you can have your um, your abortion and then spit you out and now be quiet and let's go to the next group of women that want um, to champion this cause. I wish that they would give them an equal voice and give them equal services and give them equal time, media time, and, and to tell their stories and to come alongside them in their, in their grief. Because I think if we let people talk, despite what we believe, I could, we could bring somebody on here and maybe we'll, maybe we'll revisit this one day and, and bring some people on. But you know, if you're pro-life, we can bring someone who's uh, pro-choice. Maybe they've had an abortion and maybe they liked it. Mm-hmm. We can let them talk. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's people that had had an abortion and it was horrible. Mm-hmm. Let them talk. Mm-hmm. Because what we try to do is suppress people's stories so we can control the narrative. Right. And we're not really getting the truth. We're not getting what's the out truth there. and we're not having an honest conversation. And it's I think it's making us all dumb. You asked in the last segment if social media is making us dumb. I think we are making each other mm-hmm. dumb by our fear of of not um, allowing an honest conversation without getting angry and pointing fingers and and shaming and judging. I think that's part of what is keeping our society so um, backwards in certain ways. And I think that it's just really sad that we can't do that, that we can't be honest about what's really going on. Yeah. And so no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, yeah, if you're on, let's say, the pro-life side, you should be able to embrace everybody regardless of their decision, because they need support. Mm-hmm. If you're on the pro-choice side, you should be able to embrace anybody, mm-hmm. even those that might turn away and be like, you know what, I'm decided at first I thought maybe termination, but now I'm going to keep it. Right. Embrace them too. Exactly. Just because they oppose or go against what your beliefs are or what your decision might be, we're not walking in those footsteps of those people. Right. And they might right. have to make a decision that they think is in their best interest or what they want to do, whatever it might be. What we need to do it was like you said, we might not have to agree with it and we might and that might not be our choice, but we need to walk alongside them and we need to embrace them and we need to help them because either A, if they do have it, then there's going to be all kinds of support that's going to be necessary. I mean, just look at like you, for example, you know, in the family in, in dynamic with kids in mm-hmm. the family situation, what would be quote unquote the normal way of doing things. Right. Look how much support and help that you would need from the family. Oh, it's tremendous. I can't imagine being all alone. Yeah. I cannot imagine because I could, there's no way 
I could have raised my kids without the support of their grandparents, my parents, my husband's parents. There's just no way. So the imagine a yeah. young girl or somebody that's alone. Yeah. yeah. Then two on the flip side, someone does, does decide to have a termination. First off, regardless of whatever the reason, that person's going to be going through a traumatic event. Yeah. And you need to come alongside them. Mm-hmm. And this is what I've learned. And this is basically my point of what I've learned throughout the years is that it's about the person that's going through it that we need to embrace and be there for, mm-hmm. whether we agree or disagree. And that could be anything. It could be a sexual preference. It could be you know, an unplanned pregnancy. It could be someone that they're dating or they're with, a, a choice for going to school, I, yeah. an education, a job, a career. You know, We need to come alongside people and embrace them because they're walking through something and it's hard to walk through something by yourself. And we need that support and we need to be there. So when it comes to this type of thing, uh, uh, conversation, unplanned pregnancy, it's not black and white. There's a lot of gray area, but what we need to do is no matter what side of the spectrum we stand on, what's, what our beliefs are, we need to come alongside those people and help them and embrace them. And if we can't do it, maybe find people that can. Mm-hmm. Resources, like you said, there's many resources out there, probably mm-hmm. religious and non-religious resources mm-hmm. that can help you. And, um, and that's what I've learned throughout the years is that that's what we need to do is come alongside and embrace those people because walking an unplanned pregnancy, whether you decide to keep it, terminate it, or just figure out what to do you can't do it on your own you need no. that help and no. we need to be that voice that helps them or at least tries to be there so they can lean on them mm-hmm. just like in grief just be there for them right because they're going through something traumatic and it could turn out that just by us being there helps them decide a decision that you're agreeable with mm-hmm. maybe not we don't know but at least we're there for them before during and after and that's i think to me mm-hmm. the main thing that people need to understand at least what I feel that we should be doing. Right. Right. And I just, you know, I just want to say that um, if you are a person who terminated a pregnancy or if you are a transgender or if you are a stripper or if you are a homosexual or if you are what a tax collector, a banker, it doesn't matter. Um, and, and the church has, has acted as if um, you're convicting the greatest sin that ever was. Can I just tell you that the Bible doesn't say that? Can I just tell you that God loves you? Um, I, I don't understand the hate. I have been part of the hate before. Um, I'm sorry for that, but God loves you. Jesus loves you. Don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. He he is here for you. He wants to help you. He wants to support you. He wants to love you. And so I just want to make that very, very clear that the Bible does not say that we are supposed to hate people. It doesn't say that we're supposed to hold picket signs and say burn or turn or go to hell or whatever. That's just not who Jesus was. And that's not who he teaches us to be. So um, God loves you. He loves everybody, right? And you don't have to get yourself cleaned up before um, you can come and accept that embrace that um, that Jesus gave us when he died on the cross. You just don't have to do that. Um, come so as you I are. Just come as you are. Come as you are. And if that's what you are chasing, if you're looking for something and you feel an empty void and you've been trying all kinds of things, uh, like Tara said, you know, try Jesus. You never know. Um, but whatever it is, just know that if that's the decision that you decide to make, no matter what you're coming out of, an abortion clinic, a bar, a strip club, um, a mistress's house, um, whatever it is, he's there with arms wide open. He's not going to judge. Um, and he's not going to be there to condemn you. He's going to embrace you. And 
that's what we need to do as people, if anything. And I'm sure any other religion uh, is that way. Embrace people. Open your arms to them. Embrace them. Love them. Because you know what? That's, in the end, what matters. And like what Tara was sharing, that's what Jesus would do. The old adage, what would Jesus do? He would love. He would embrace. He would be there to walk side you, uh, walk alongside you. And in fact, I think there's a, a famous kind of poster printing called Footprints, where there's two sets of footprints in the sand. Then there's one set of footprints. And when the person in the the, the writing says, hey, Jesus, I thought you were supposed to be there with me as I go through this difficult time. I only see one set of footprints. Where were you? And Jesus' reply is, I was carrying you. And I think that's the thing that we need to remember is that we, we as people need to come alongside and help each other, but also remember that Jesus is there for you too. And he's there with our arms wide open. Come as you are, embrace him, and just let him give you the big hug. And also too, you know, we're here too. Um, you know, you can reach out to us. Uh, Instagram is uh, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Um, you can DM us. The, the uh, email is uh, two steps ahead podcast at gmail.com. You know, my personal Instagram is Edom Rocks, E I D E M R O C K S. You can DM me. If I can't help you, I can try to help you get resources, uh, try to get you in touch with people. And it could be anything, anything that you're struggling with. It could be, you know, being homeless. It could be not having enough food. It could be an unplanned pregnancy. It could be loneliness. You know, we talked about in the last podcast about uh, Instagram and reaching out to people and connecting. If you just need someone to say hi to, you need a friend via social media, reach out to us at Tara Hoke Shiro. You know, you can reach out to her as well on social media. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we're here for you. You know, if we can't personally uh, help you out, we will help you find resources. But uh, let us come walk alongside you. And there might be times where we might need you to come walk alongside us. Because after all, Two Steps Ahead podcast, we highlight the shit we've been through so you don't have to. And sometimes the shit we've been, we can't get off our shoes. And we might need you to be able to help us because rubbing the, 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 the shoe in the grass isn't going to get it out. And so sometimes it's we might need treads. you. Yes. We might need you, you to come alongside us. So I know we talked about kind of a heavy, uh, heavy uh, topic today. I know you might not agree with what we said. That's okay. We still love you. Um, but again, if you need help, you can reach out to us. If you need a place to start, maybe there's other places. And if the church or any other entity has rejected you, just know that's not right. And uh, God is love. And um, I think that's the universal language, too, is love. And just know that uh, we're here. It's a Two Steps Ahead podcast. You can find the Instagram, uh, Instagram TV, IGTV, YouTube uh, videos there. Also on uh, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. And you can just Google Two Steps Ahead podcast in Google, and we pop up there, too. And you can also type in uh, in Google searches any type of support, and I'm sure things will pop up there. Um, X, and I'll X, let you have X, the last. Yeah. XXXChurch.com. Yeah. XXXChurch.com is a great place to go. And so with that, we'd like to say thank you. Thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Um, and I'll let Tara have the last word as we say goodbye. Um, my last word is just that um, – we're we're here to have an honest conversation. So if you appreciate honest conversations, if you want to um, dialogue with us, please do. Please pass this video along to other people who also want to have an honest conversation. We would love to chat with you guys um, and continue and, and keep this going. So um, if you appreciate um, just being real and, and raw and honest, um, please do subscribe. Please do pass us along. Um, and tell others um, about us and then um, reach out so that we can continue the conversation with you. Take your passion, 
Make it happen. Let yourself be great. Again, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Until next time, you guys have a great one. Thanks, guys.